Welcome back to the Who is VGT3 project. I have a special person in my life on the podcast today. Her name is Sandy Prentice. She is a audiology expert. She works at the University of Miami, and we had an early morning conversation about um, her personal journey within that um, program, kind of how she got into it. And how she progressed within her field. She her expertise is second to none. She's a percentage of a percentage, uncommon amongst uncommon people. And it's a pleasure to know her. And you'll listen on the podcast that you know she's an amazing person. So, with no further ado, Sandra Prentice. That was an alarm for me to get up. <laughs> All right, well, we're, we're going to record now because um, okay. the early bird gets the worm. And, uh, you know, my mom always told me, be careful what you wish for because it might come true. And I was always plotting on things that would finally bring us to do the podcast together. And, uh, well, then we got coronavirus. So now we have all the time in the world. I know. I know. <laughs> I mean, not that coronavirus is a good thing, but... Yeah, you have well, more time at home. Yeah, before we get before we get into the what you're on the podcast for, um, that is a crazy thing that you know now that we see the coronavirus kind of take hold of just our average living, how we've had to morph into you know different beings, and you know while we kind of suffer from it, I've seen like a lot of things about how the the world is slowly repairing itself as far as you know, as far as mm-hmm. the environment, so. Right, right. I mean, they said, Vienna, you can actually see the water for the first time and fish are returning and all these environmental things are improving. Yeah, and then like, uh, I mean, the job, you know, the jobs that are out there now where we're being forced to, to utilize teleconferencing more is going yeah. to put a lot of questions in the air of, you know, we can probably be productive at home. So we'll probably see a lot more remote jobs um, in the future. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, hi. <laughs> <laughs> Good um, morning, real quick, just for the listeners at home, I have a, a very, 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 very special person that has been a part of my life for the last, what, like five, six years. Yeah. Um, and, you know, life kind of puts extraordinary people in your path and Sandy you're one of them because um I don't know of any other way that I would be in this opportunity to to talk with someone that has as much prestige as you do even though you you think it's no big deal um you have a lot of accolades and a lot of things that you're working on um but real quick brief introduction. I'll let you take the floor for a second. Introduce yourself. 
All right. Well, I am Sandy Prentice. I'm an audiologist and I kind of have a very key specialty in working with patients that can no longer utilize hearing aids. They go into surgical treatment called a cochlear implant. Um, and I've been on this path for the last 18 years of my life and I'm still very passionate about it. Um, but on a more personal note, I met Jean uh, several years ago through my husband, now husband, um, and Jean has been, I, I keep watching you grow and keep watching you try new things, and I love it, and I love your passion, I love your motivation, so I'm honored to be a part of this um, podcast for you. Thank you so much. I have a permanent grin right now, um, just because, you know, when... Um, you know, when we were first introduced, you know, I, I I just love meeting new people. And, you know, when I get to learn about people and who they are as individuals, and you've always been so welcoming and so, so loving to me and always welcoming me into your house and eating all your food and, <laughs> and uh, telling jokes and hanging out and doing all those, stuff. you know, all that stuff is, has been, um, a great experience for me just as an individual myself. So thank you for that. Um, yeah. the, the biggest thing that I, I, I think about when, when I think about audiology is, is like, how does one, like, because there's so many things out there that you can like find a passion in. What was that? Mm -hmm. Like, was there a driving force or was it kind of a journey to get into that for you? It it was definitely a journey. So audiology, when I was being trained for it, was is kind of a hidden career um, inside of speech language pathology. So I met, um, it was my sister's high school boyfriend's mother, who was a speech pathologist. And um, I was thinking I wanted to do pre-med, um, but then I realized that that quickly that that probably wasn't the route I wanted to do the rest of my life. So I spoke with her for a long time and she worked with as a speech language pathologist. So I started taking those classes in college and um, there, as part of the requirement for speech language pathologists, you have to take some audiology courses. And unfortunately, there are actually only two that are offered, at least in the curriculum I was in, but that first class just roped me in and um, ever since then, I never looked back. I took that path. Um, and I, once you graduate with your bachelor's, you kind of split off into a graduate degree. So you can either go your master's in speech pathology or your master's in audiology. Now, since I've graduated, the, the um, degree you have to have before you can practice as a doctorate of audiology. So you can do an AUD or a PhD. Um, and I worked for seven years and decided that, you know, the AUD is very clinical and I'm very um, research oriented. So I went to get my PhD. Um, so that's, that's where I am now. And now I'm trying to get the word out. You know, we see a lot of students, we see a lot of undergraduate students. We have a very large clinical education program. So I'm trying to introduce people into this field because I think it's a really important field that um, nobody really is that familiar with. It's not just, you know, having somebody 
hear a beep and push a button or raise a hand. It's so much more than that. So, um, so I'm, I'm excited about it. There's so many different ways you can go and specialties that you can focus on within audiology. So I guess I kind of tripped on the career. If you yeah. Think. And I, I, I think that happens with a lot of people is, you know, you, you kind of are throwing darts at a dartboard with a blindfold mm -hmm. on and then, you know, once you kind of get, get sucked into something, that's when it like that, that's when the learning starts happening. Um, yeah. You know, I see a lot with college kids now, they're just going to go to college and then they hope that through that process in itself, that they find something that they, they, they want to do. Right. Um, now we've had, we've, me and you've had sideline conversations, but mm -hmm. you, you do a lot of research, um, which requires a lot of, um, writing a lot mm -hmm. of um just you know we talk about the the money aspect of asking for for research funding um mm -hmm. but you also take in patients as well um yes. what what do you like more so it's that's that's tough because i need both right so i am more passionate about research because research gives you the flexibility to kind of push the boundaries a little bit and do things that are not a standard of care. But at the same time, I need to be in clinic to know what's going on with patients to, and that's where I get a lot of my research questions of seeing trends with my patients and, and you need patients that are willing to participate. So my research has always been clinic oriented. So I don't work in a lab. I don't work on animals. Um, I do, I, I'm hundred percent human subjects, but um, it is kind of fun to be able to introduce new ideas and you can't do it by yourself. And that's what, um, that's what I think is often misunderstood when I talk to some people is that with research, you need a team of people because my area is very focused so i think about it one way but i need to go outside of my specialty i need to go outside of my comfort zone almost and talk to other people um, for instance right now i'm working with neurology um, i need to i need to think more about the aging brain and um, that's not my specialty i'm not trained in it so i need to really incorporate other people so when you're talking about funding and things like that um, and sorry, I'm, I'm moving away from your question a little bit about um, okay. what I prefer more. I, I actually, I prefer the research aspect, but I like the clinic part because I really like to be, I'm a pretty social person and I like to interact with people as well. And um, I like learning from my patients. They can teach me things, um, but, but that's also part of research is I can incorporate a whole bunch of new people and I can, um, it's, a, it's a huge team approach. And so when, you're asking um, for money from the government, oftentimes it's not just for you. You may be the lead investigator or principal investigator, but it's not just for me. It's also to support other people that are trying to get in the research world too, because when you're on a grant for somebody else, you're also helping them. So, so I'm asking for money to support my salary, but it's not just me. It's also anyone that wants to work under me, um, any medical student, any audiology student, um, medical, like, um, sorry, any, anybody really that's, that's trying to work their way into this limited funded and competitive world. Um, so it's, 
it is a collaborative effort. Yeah, and then to kind of, I mean, you did answer the question, um, and like from from me, like in the, in the business world, I mean, you can have the research there, but it makes more sense if your boots on the ground as well. You can speak to personal, anecdotal. You know, you know exactly what's going on um, mm -hmm. versus just having different viewpoints, but having different perspectives, um, as you said, from neurology from other aspects mm -hmm. of the medical field to to kind of get that 360 picture is very important mm -hmm. as well especially when you're asking for money um right. for, for any project <laughs> um what happens when what happens if that money doesn't come what what happens because that's that obviously is going to have to slow down the research right and that then you're not able to push the envelope Right. So the, that's the very, very tough part about my, my job, but I have a very unique position too. So um, where I work, I'm funded to do research and I'm, I'm from the department. Um, and the idea is that I'll get funding from another source to kind of take over those departmental funds. But what happens to, in general, is that if you don't get your funding or if you are funded, and then it doesn't renew, you will either lose that aspect of your lab, or for me, I would be required to go back to the clinic more often so that I can be reimbursed essentially for my, by seeing patients, that reimbursement helps support my salary. Um, so it is, it is very, it's very tough, but right now I have little grants that help me keep going. The industry has been very open and um, generous about funding me a little bit. So I have little funds here, little funds here, but you're right. If I lose any of that, then the research does slow down and essentially halts until you can find another source of funding. And you, you kind of keened on it a little bit in the intro, but really your, your specialty is for whatever reason, if someone has an implant or a hearing device, and for whatever reason it's not it's not performing um, to for the person um, mm -hmm. the way it should, then mm -hmm. you are pretty much the person that that suggests or um, works with the patient to talk about surgical um, remedies for that. Yes. Yes. So when somebody is in hearing aids um, and let's say they've been successful with hearing aids for a while, but then over time, they're still complaining that the hearing aids aren't working for them. Um, so what they do is we test them with their hearing aids on to see how well they understand in how well they understand speech in a noisy situation. So this kind of testing battery, and this is what one of my um, research study was on, is trying to figure out who is doing what and what kind of tests are being performed in order to determine who's a candidate. Um, so, but yes, we test them in noise, and if they're performing below a certain point, meaning, you know, for me, I work with a lot of Medicare patients, um, and 
the cutoff for Medicare is pretty low. So what that means is that they have to understand less than 40% with their hearing needs on in order to qualify for a cochlear implant, um, which is pretty low. Um, could you imagine if you know, you're required to miss 60% of what's being said out there um, before you're eligible for another treatment? Um, and I will kind of uh, um, keep going on this point because this is where a lot of my passion is. Um, Medicare, the problem with the Medicare patients is that hearing aids are not covered by Medicare. So when somebody comes in with a hearing loss that has Medicare, oftentimes they don't want to spend thousands of dollars on a hearing aid. Right, and, and hearing aid adoption in general is pretty low. One is because of the cost, and two is because you know aesthetics and there's a stigma attached to it, which we're trying to get rid of. Um, but the, the other problem is, even if they are not great hearing aid candidates due to the degree of their hearing loss, we still want them to try a non-invasive version first. I mean, that's, that's the best care, is that we need to make sure that we're not putting anybody under surgery that's doesn't need to be put at that risk for anesthesia and everything else. But it, it's a sticky, it's a sticky situation because at the same time, they, maybe they won't benefit. We don't know, but those benefits for hearing needs are not covered. So then they're kind of pushed into this um, surgical route um, so that they are, their out-of-pocket expenses reduced a little bit. So it's, it's kind of a sticky situation and that's something that I'm working on. And I work with um, the American, the American Cochlear Implant Alliance. We're trying to get some, some norms out there. We're trying to get some streamlined activity out there so that we're kind of determining at candidacy criteria for all age populations to improve access to this, to this technology. And I mean, uh, I remember, you know, seeing hearing aids from from back back in the day to now. I mean, the the technology has has increased uh, like a hundredfold. Sure. Um, is is what you're seeing like with the newer technology? Is this still not being uh, adapted very well for the average consumer? Because it's still price. Right. Right. So the 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 technology has improved significantly but at the end of the day a hearing aid is always very limited for a certain amount of hearing loss um, and in fact the candidacy criteria now for a cochlear implant overlaps that of the candidacy criteria for a hearing aid so um so if somebody has to choose do i want to spend thousands of dollars of hearing aids or do i want to go the cochlear implant route you know and have my my um insurance cover it it's it's it gets kind of gray that area gets gray but um, the adoption of a hearing aid is still pretty low, and a lot of it is because of that cost, regardless of the technology. Um, but again, like I said, hearing aids are still very, very limited in what they can provide. So because they are so small um, and they still have to go through your, you know, the, the ear canal to the eardrum, and it can only amplify up to a certain point. Um, meaning that those high pitches are typically where the 
amplification starts to drop off and the high pitches are where we get the clarity of speech. So that's when a cochlear implant can step in is that we can restore the audibility, not necessarily saying that they'll get 100% understanding, but they can restore the audibility in the high frequencies to give them the access to have the potential to have better speech understanding. So, I mean, that all makes sense. I mean, insurance, the whole medical industry, the, you know, mm -hmm. there's always dispute on who, who's to blame on that. But right. um, is there, is there, and, and you're kind of working on some of that stuff, is there like a light at the end of the tunnel for people that are struggling with this um, adoption and, and not, not going the, the hearing um, aid versus the cochlear implant, is there maybe a light at the end of, end of the tunnel or is this still like kind of a long road ahead? Well, I, mean, I think, I think um, there have been relief efforts, you know, like over the counter hearing aids, um, Costco hearing aids that are offered at a um, cheaper price. Um, but the problem is with that too, is we need to make sure that when we're, getting here when somebody is fit with a hearing aid it's not just a plug and go it's you have to be programmed you have to be tested you have to make sure that the amplification is appropriate for your hearing loss and a lot of places are not doing that so when they come to us they're saying oh my hearing aids aren't working and we run a test on them and we can clearly see they're not programmed correctly so when we reprogram their hearing aids up to where it's supposed to be then, you know, sometimes they're a little bit more open. They're like, oh, okay, well, you know, um, this actually sounds a little bit better. And so we can, we let them go listen to it for a while. And then if they're still struggling, then they come back and we revisit the whole cochlear implant thing. But it's, it's, it's hard to say if there's a light at the end of the tunnel, because right now Medicare is still not covering hearing aids. I don't know if they're moving towards covering hearing aids. And again, I'm talking from an adult perspective because that's my clientele. Um, but for the kids, I think it's a lot easier to get hearing aids through their insurance. Um, but it's it's hard to say if, if we're really getting the word out that um, a hearing aid is not just, it, it's aesthetically not that unappealing. It's actually, they're really small these days, but with a cochlear implant, that's not 100% internal. So there's still an external component. They still have to wear something outside their head, which is a lot larger than a hearing aid. So, so there's still that kind of stigma and aesthetics that are attached to that. Yeah, plus the surgery. Plus the surgery and the risks. And then what's the, what's the, and, and what's the chances that it doesn't work? Well, that's, the chances are pretty low that okay. it doesn't work. So, but, but that's if they're, if you're identifying the right candidate, right? So um, this, there's so much that goes into candidacy criteria. It's not just their hearing. It's, it's their lifestyle. It's their willingness to participate in oral rehab. It's their cogni cognition. It's their um, etiology, like what caused the hearing loss. So if you have somebody that comes in, who's been um, deaf for 50 plus years, never heard out of that ear, and then you try to put a cochlear implant in there, um, it'll probably give them some sound awareness, assuming that the anatomy is okay, but it's not going to work as an individual ear. Like it's, it's not going to, 
likely not going to be able to help them understand speech better. So there's a lot of things that go into it, but as far as it not working, um, that kind of raises a different yeah aspect. no that that under yeah because what my what my my guess would be is you probably have some candidates who have the uh, like high expectation if, if I'm understanding that yeah and then you kind of have to bring them back to to ground level and say look right. like this is what we're able to do this is what we're not able to do um, right in their particular case um, a while ago I think it was a couple of years ago there was a a little viral video of you uh, that had that had you kind of featured in the do you do you remember yeah. the video I was talking about? Yeah, yeah. Um I always had that thought. Um because I, I like to be like empathetic in situations that I would probably never be in. And a person of of your um you know degree, because I know you don't want to talk about it a lot, but I mean you're really selective in your field. So there's not a lot of people that do what you do. Um right. but you being able to kind of restore some of that that um that lifestyle for someone like what kind of feelings do you get because i know you as a person so i know it's probably a great feeling that you have but like what what do you think like when you're able to see someone's face and they're able to like better hear and crying they're yeah it's it's really it's, it's hard to put in words. It's so touching um, that you can improve somebody's quality of life, right? So when somebody comes in and they're, and, and I will tell you that that video is, that patient was amazing. Um, and all of my patients really are, but the, the expectation that that's what somebody's going to get the first time I turn on their implant. That's actually usually not the reaction I get. Usually they're like, what is, what's going on? What is the sound? You know? Um, but later on is when they come in and they're, they're crying because they can finally understand their kids for the first time. They can finally understand their um, spouse or they can actually be social again. And they're not insecure about going out. I mean, that is a feeling that keeps me going, right? So I've, I'm going on almost 20 years of doing this. So that feeling never gets old. That feeling of just, I changed somebody's life for the better and I'm putting them back into what their, you know, their social aspects. Um, because hearing loss is, has an impact on you in so many other ways than just not hearing, you can go into depression, there's social isolation, there's so many things that are secondary to hearing loss that we don't even know. And hearing loss is a disability we can't see. Um, so it's, it's really rewarding and such a, a happy feeling, a tip for lack of a better word, to really be able to restore some of these things and change somebody's life and their attitude and, um, it's like I said, it's keeping me going. I'm still doing it. I'm getting out there. I'm trying to do research on it to try to make it better. I'm trying to get people more access to this technology um, that you know a lot of a lot of places out there aren't familiar with current criteria. So I'm trying to get the word out there so that we can get more referrals and we can we can really start helping these people get back into their normal routine. Yeah, I. Uh... 
I've I've watched a video a couple of times, and I've I've seen I mean I've seen a playlist full of videos with with people with that you know some type of um, restoration to their hearing, and mm-hmm. you know I kind of think about you know if I if I had a loss of hearing, and being able to to communicate with someone um, like you and and bring me back you know maybe not a hundred percent but at least where mm-hmm. I can make something out like. I, you know, that kind of like gives me goosebumps, like right yeah. now, just, just kind of thinking about it. Um, I, we're going to change gears in a second, but real mm-hmm. quick, um, you do a lot of, I mean, you've done over your years, a lot of keynote, um, speeches. I mean, you've, you've traveled the world, um, mm-hmm. speaking on your expertise. Uh, did you ever think that you would kind of get to this, this level, um, of, of where you're at? Absolutely not. Um, it was, it was an opportunity that was, was presented to me. Um, so in the research realm, I started this probably back in 2005. So about 15 years ago is when I met my mentor and, um, he took me under his wing to introduce me to the research world. I never thought that I would be here today. Um, and I am, I love what I do and I love being able to push other people to rise up and to, you know, to help them because I was given this opportunity that I didn't even know existed. Um, so I'm trying to make sure that our other young visionaries have the same opportunity. Um, but no, I, I had no idea the very first time I, my very first research meeting, was in Austria and that was the first time I'd ever been to Europe and it was an amazing experience on so many levels you know being able to see what people are doing behind the clinic you know what what are these people doing to to really advance the technology and then being able to have the opportunity to see these places around the world it's been it's been so enlightening and some place sometimes even humbling so i'm really i'm i'm a considered myself very blessed that i ran into you know like you had said at the very beginning that you kind of run into people in your lives and um you cross paths with people and and given different opportunities and i'm so happy that i was able to meet my mentor who brought me to this or gave me this opportunity i love that um so we're going to switch gears. Um, current events, obviously, Corona, um, COVID nineteen yeah. is is um, on everyone's mind. Um, yeah. I mean, media blast, and now I mean, most places are on some type of lockdown, some type of social distancing, whether it's yeah. you know just um, as a recommendation or if it's being mandated and being enforced. Um, you you said you had some some words about that for you know for everyone. So. Um, I'll kind of let, let you talk about that for a little bit. Yeah, so COVID has been, um, like you said, it's been everywhere. We as a clinic have decided to keep non-essential activities at home. So um, even though I love what I do and it's it's really important, um, I'm at home. I All of my patients have been canceled, but again, I work with the um, adult population, essentially the um, geriatric population. So they're, they're at risk. But some of the things that, you know, you read all of these different things and you don't know what's true. You don't know what's not true. And 
And I am certainly not a um, medical, I, I don't have my MD. I'm not a, I'm not a physician. Um, but one of the things that I saw today that reportedly came from NYU is that, you know, COVID is reacting. It's actually being progressed by Advil or ibuprofen. Um, and I don't know if it's true or if it's not true, but you know, it's one of those things where it can't hurt if you have a headache or if you have a fever to just take Tylenol um, as opposed to Advil just as a precautionary. Um, and I think that it's important that you, you do keep yourself away from if you're, if you're presenting with any sort of symptom, whether it be a runny nose, um, stay home. Like, don't put these people at risk. This thing is highly contagious. I mean, everybody is, we don't even know who's really at risk. We have people that are, you know, 40s and 50s, younger adults that are getting hospitalized. So, and, and even if you're not showing symptoms, you might pass it to somebody else. You could be a carrier. 80% of people don't show um, severe symptoms and don't even know they're carrying it and they carry it to somebody else who might be carrying it to their grandparents. And so it's just really, it's really important that people abide by um, the recommendations out there for social distancing. And, but at the same time, you don't need to freak out. You know, you don't need um, 30,000 rolls of toilet paper right now. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I I don't know. I don't know when this happened. But I mean, a, a lot of people like they'll DM me and they'll talk to me. I like they're like, hey, you're in the military. So you probably know stuff. But like, should we panic? And I'm like, well, first off, <laughs> you're getting yeah. your advice from me. I'm the wrong person. Um, but I always tell people, you know, look at the precautions, practice those. And then anything else, like don't panic. Like if you need to turn off, like turn off the news. Um, yeah, yeah, like, and, and a lot of the stuff you should be doing anyway, you know, washing your hands. And I think, um, you know, just based on the little bit of, you know, bro science and a little bit of the research that, that I've, that I've looked at is social distancing is, is good for any of these, these, um, epidemics, um, yeah. like, that kind of follow suit. And, and a lot of people are getting stir crazy. A lot of people are in their house. I'm a gamer, so I didn't get affected by this at all. I was like, okay, stay in the house. <laughs> it's no problem. Um, but I know for a lot of people, it's, it's really hard. They're active bodies. They have kids. I mean, I got three kids as well. And it's, and it's a, it's a task in itself to, to keep them occupied. But, um, you know, with a lot of, you know, the what ifs in the air, some, uh, a lot of scholars in this field are saying that, you know, we may have to wait until it's warmer outside because that's when a lot of the flus kind of die out, uh, yeah. but we won't know until it really happens. But what we can do is, wash your damn hands, you know, yeah. stay away from, you know, if, if someone's immune deficient, you know, definitely take those precautions and then, um, you know, really just follow the guidelines that are put in place. You know, people are, you know, governments, local governments, state um, and federal are making, you know, these, these requests, Hey, just stay in your house. If you don't need to go out, don't go out, um, you know, stay away from, you know, large crowds. Yeah. And it does impact our lives. And I think um, really, and we talked about this a little bit, it's kind of reshaping how we really, um, how we really interact with each other. I mean, not everything has to be, you know, a, a, a group thing. Um, as far as work, I think a lot of 
um, careers are going to be kind of shifted a little bit to more telecommunicating, which um, I think is is a long time coming anyway. Uh, all right. your meetings that you have, you don't need to have a 30 minute meeting every day with everyone in the office, just have it on right. a teleconference and the technology is there. Um, but yeah, I, I'm in, interested on seeing kind of like the aftermath, seeing where we kind of go from here as far as um, what happens after, you know, we, we get this all taken care of or will history repeat itself and we will uh, we'll end up panicking again sometime soon, which human nature will probably dictate that we'll probably do the same thing in a couple of years. Well, you know, and, and that's the thing. It's like, this is kind of, the, the the pandemic is, I don't want to say it's completely out of our control, um, but some things are out of your control and you just have to take every day as it is. Um, and the things that you can control are washing your hands and the things that are recommended by the CDC. And um, so you do what you can. And um, if you're not doing your part in that, then um, that's on you. You know, you gotta, you gotta be responsible. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and you know, like I was saying before, a lot of people are like, well, should, should I panic? I'm like, well, you should never panic because right. that's, this, that's when you get um, the toilet paper outage, which, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the gaming world, we were kind of prepared for that. Cause there's a couple like, like zombie games that talk about the toilet paper issue. And when we were <laughs> like, when we started seeing memes about it, we we're like, wow, we were prepared for that um but it's it's always like it's always a good thing to be prepared for for really anything that doesn't mean sure. hoarding a bunch of stuff because right. you know people are now are going without i mean you go into a grocery store now and it's complete emptiness or chaos yeah. and, um there's people out there that that need that stuff but i will say um any any catastrophe or any you know we we you know you live in florida now but we live in florida and we kind of deal with this every hurricane season where, right. uh, you know, we we're prepared for it. We understand like, all right, this is what's probably going to happen. We need to do these things, put these things in place, but you'll see the community kind of get together. You'll see someone like putting up, you know, um, you know, shutters and you go and help them if they're struggling. And, and one thing that I really like, I don't like catastrophe or chaos, but I do like community. And when things mm-hmm. like when we kind of lose our egos a little bit, and we look at the bigger picture, like, holy shit, this is like a big thing. Um, you know, you'll see all these stories about, you know, small businesses is a big thing, you know, and, yeah. you know, your husband, yeah. Danny, he can attest to the small businesses, everything. And when you're able to kind of get a community around small businesses and help them out when they're in need, um, I love seeing those things. I don't like seeing them struggle, but I do like people going out of their way to make sure that, you know, everyone's okay. And, you know, yeah. through things like this, I see a lot of that, you know, on social media now versus the the scare. Uh, but yeah. I was kind of prepared for this. I, I mean, I've seen my my share of um, life events where, you know, you're like, okay, you know, it's okay. Oh, nope, it's panicking. Oh, no, full yeah. fledged panic. <laughs> and, and then everyone's like, okay, we, we made it through. And yeah. you know, I don't think we give ourselves enough credit, but I mean, we're definitely, you know, we're going to make it through it um yep. as a collective you know it's, it's it's life and i think everything in perspective i mean yeah lives lost or it's a horrible thing but we lose lives every day on 
other things too. So it's yeah, yeah, one of those things. Um, off the off the doom and gloom, um, and off the public service announcements. Uh, your big things now is uh, what, what I like to ask people is like your passions. Like now mm -hmm. that you've accomplished a lot, I know that you've come this far not to just come this far. What are some things that you are like your goals and, and things that you're passionate about other than helping people here again? Well, um, you mean like professionally? We can go, we can go all at it professionally, okay. personally, <laughs> spiritually. We could just run down the list. So so professionally, I still feel like I have a lot to accomplish, meaning um, the 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 penetration rate for cochlear implants is very, very low. Um, so I'm I'm not by myself, by no means am I doing this by myself, but um, my goal is to make sure that I can share my education and what I know and um, really get the word out on this technology and, and make sure that people do have the access they need um, to be able to communicate with their loved ones. So professionally, I'm um, there's still a lot of growth for me. I, of course, my, my goal is to continue to apply for funding. There's, you probably saw me struggle a few times writing grants. It's not easy to do. It takes up, it takes several months to write a grant and it's so competitive. And when you're not selected, it's, um, it kind of beats you down a little bit, but then you just get up and you do it again. Um, Cause you're not gonna, you're not gonna get it unless you keep trying. So yeah, you get um, beat up, then we go to the bar and then, and then, we, we, yeah, then yeah, we go back I to would, the drawing board. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like sometimes, yeah. So it's like I, I, I was rejected. It was deal. Let's just drink it out a little bit, and then let's let's get at it again. <laughs> yeah. So, so it was. I mean, it's it's um, it is truly blood, sweat, and tears when you put in to your work, and then um, you know it's. I see it, of course, because I'm around it all day. But I've got to be able to convince other people that this is super important. So. Um, if I'm not doing that, then I need to figure out a different way to do that. You know, I've got to get my word out there and I have to really be able to put my passion on paper um, and be a little bit more persuasive. Um, so it's a learning, it's, it's definitely been a learning experience. Um, so, you know, other goals for me is, you know, Danny and I, we work really, really hard and we travel. Um, like right now he's there, he's in Milwaukee run in the store so that his employees they weren't feeling all that safe being at work so he's you know relieving them and it's it's hard for us sometimes you get so involved in your work um that you forget that your loved one is right next to you so we've you know our goal is to just be able to work really really hard right now so that we can retire early and have you know, time for each other. And, and still at the end of the day, we still, we've been taking more vacations um, to try to try to remember that it's not always just about work. You know, that's not, that's not what makes us who we are. It is definitely a part of us, but it's not, we're also still social beings that need to step away. So um, long-term goals for me, just being able to um, still work hard, but also really manage the work-life balance. Um, and then I, I wanna make sure that I'm 
putting that into anyone I talk to is that you've, you've got to make, you've got to make time for yourself. Cause right now what I do is I, I grind, I grind, I grind. And that's what I was trained to do. So it's hard for me to break from that habit. Um, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think everybody needs to do that for a while, but then when you start losing yourself and you start getting burnt out, then that's when you need to step away, but it's hard to do. Um, so I just feel like I need to preach that into other people, whether it be my profession or not my profession, just, you know, the younger, the younger generation, you got to work hard, but sometimes you got to play hard too. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. I, uh, I always thought I had a strong work ethic and then I met you and you and Danny <laughs> and I was like, okay, I, I got to, I'm, I'm only, in, I'm only in like fourth gear right now. They're, they're maxed out. So. Yeah. But I it's think, not, yeah, I mean it, it, but it's not necessarily a good thing all the time. Right. Like it's okay. No, yeah. You know, it's okay for, you know, when I'm writing a grant, I will work probably 14 hours a day and on my weekends. And, um, and then the next week I I'm like, okay, I'm going to work 40 hours this week. You know, like that's, that's just, you just have to balance it. Um, of course, as you know, I have fitness goals, um, and trying to stay really on top of that. So I like these challenges. Thank you for participating. They're super fun um, and kind of a good way to, to just relieve the stress, even if it's only, you know, a set of, what have we done, 10 squats and push-ups? Um, yeah, yeah, just, just a little bit. No, but I think it's good as social. You know, I think it's good because, you know, we're still having social interaction. Um, you know, I, I mean, you, I mean, you've put me in a, a gauntlet full of challenges even going to Orange <laughs> Theory and kickboxing yeah. classes. And and I'm just like, this girl's trying to kill me. <laughs> but yeah, 20 push-ups or 20, you know, 20 uh, squats is, is nothing wow. compared to what you've already put my body through. But no, I appreciate well, it. And I, yeah, me and you share a lot of the similarities with, with fitness. I know that you're you're out there grinding on it. I bet you're just clawing, clawing away to get back to a gym. I know I am. Yeah, it is. It is tough. So, um, but even, you know, I, I go for runs and now I'm doing more running because it's, it's hard to do workouts at home. You know, it's, it really is. So I, I need to get outside, especially since we've been working from home so much, I need to get outside these four walls. So I will go for a run, even if it's just around the neighborhood. Yesterday I went for a long, long walk and, you know, and then I'll do my little challenge that I think it's a lot of fun and hold people accountable um, but yeah, those are, those are my goals and, and, you know, my, my, um, musical interests, I, I still want to dedicate my time to piano playing and, and work up the, the courage to play in front of people. I did a little bit on vacation. You would have been proud, Gene. I was like one of the first times I played in front of a group of people for a long time. I am time. proud of you. Because so. <laughs> I, I know even just playing in front of like one or two people, you're, you weren't very happy about that either. No, it's, it's really nerve wracking, but now I'm, I'm working on that and I'm getting better mm -hmm. and I'm practicing and um, I want that to be a part of my life for the rest of my life. Um, and I think about it, you know, with my dad, that's what he did. He was always my inspiration to keep going. And, um, and so I'm going to live up to that. Such an amazing story. Um, I know, I actually know that you're on the grind right now. I know that you got to kind of clock in, um, but I hope we get more conversations like this in the future. 
you're always yeah. back. I appreciate you spending some time with me. I know with our schedules, how they always conflicted. Um, I know it was <laughs> tough getting you on, but you know, thanks to uh, Corona, it actually uh, it actually breeded a positive conversation out of it. Yeah, so. yeah. No, I'm 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 honored that you thought of me to be a part of this. I'm super excited. If there's anything else, I, you know, I'm always happy to help. So thank you so much. Is there uh, is there any shout outs or any social media you want to put out there on people on how they they reach you? Yikes. Um, not now that <laughs> so, I'm on the spot. <laughs> social security number, yeah. credit card information. All Here's that. my bank account. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I don't, I'm sorry. I, I kind of drew a blank there. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, I'll just, I'll just tag your Instagram. I mean, so yeah, they can see your challenges. Yeah, um, and, right. I, and I'll and I'll put because you I mean you're at the University of Miami so I'll kind of put your little bio in there. Um, yeah, and, yeah. And I think it's I think it's an understatement of the the great work that you're doing. So I appreciate the leaps and bounds that you've made in the um, in your field and the audiology because you have like a you have a big large name for your title and I can't even pronounce it so I'm not even gonna try. <laughs> um, it'll insult my intelligence. But thank you so much. Um, yes. we'll get we'll get together soon and we'll talk more okay all right sounds good thank you gene all right bye right. bye